This is Around the Rim with Lachina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans. Uh, yeah, it's your favorite time of the week. A brand new spanking new episode of your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. And this is our post-All-Star episode. It's your host, Lachina Robinson. Joined by my fantastic and fabulous producer, Tarika Foster Brasby, who just came off of a 10 day vacation. So she is ready to work. <clears throat> Maybe. <laughs> and of course, we also have on the line our co host. I got to think of some words to put in front of Dev's co host title because Tarika be getting all the adjectives. You know I do get I mean? some pretty yeah. dope just, adjectives, but you know. It, 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 it's not that special. Yeah, but it doesn't, not that special to you. it doesn't even matter like how she performs. She still gets the same introduction every every, every <laughs> episode. So we gotta we gotta fix that. But that's two time WNBA champion retired. Wow. I still haven't Man. We, we still need to have a conversation about that. But Devereaux Peters is with us. <laughs> now I am the only person who represented for the WNBA and went to Vegas for All Star Weekend. So what what were y'all doing? I just need to know. Because clearly I was out here being an adult, man. <laughs> which entails, Some of us gotta work. <laughs> what does that mean? I was work. Working on with some clients, working on this production company. I don't I don't have no free time, man. Start out here being an adult. I just uh, (laughs) scrolled. I always like to go back and see what you've been doing before we get on the show. And I just see that. Did you drop your first 94 feet episode today? Did I see that? I did. First interview is out there. More than 94 YouTube. Go check it out. Look at me talking about 94 feet. See, I tried to be cute. More than 94 (laughs) is the title of it. Make sure you guys subscribe. Um, Tarika, can we get a round of applause for Dan? That's for you, Dad. Jewel Lloyd, right? Number yep. one. Okay. Now, are you going to touch upon her brief departure from Notre Dame? Did you talk about that in the show? We did. Oh. We discussed it a little bit. We did discuss it a little bit. Well, then I So am, go ahead and check that out. Yeah. I am now <laughs> really excited about uh, hitting the play button on that. But, no, congratulations, Dev. Um, that's awesome. And, I mean, I think the response, I've only seen some of it, but people are just over the moon about what you're doing and, uh, they better get on board. So we have a lot to cover <laughs> in this show. Oh, Tarika, how was your vacation? I was not even worried about uh, telling people how awesome my time in Charlotte and Atlanta and all that good stuff was. <laughs> I ain't, I wasn't. I didn't even want to rub it in. And no, me and Tarika did not see each other while she was in Atlanta, but I had a family emergency, so it did not work out. But uh, how did my city treat you? Your city was amazing. Atlanta, I love you guys. I will be back. The star will return. Don't worry. Oh, use us. <laughs> did you sell some books? I did. I did. I released my second novel, and I was at the Atlanta Kickback at the Cobb Galleria, and I had a wonderful time. Um, sold some books. So check me out on Amazon, y'all. Yeah, Tarika's got some books, but apparently they're not for all audiences. So mm-hmm. please check mm-hmm. the rating on those books. 18 right? and over, please. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the content is a little a little racy, from what I understand. Um, we've got a great show. We are going to talk to the first undrafted all-star MVP in the history of the WNBA, none other than Indiana Fever's own Erica Wheeler on the show. If you missed that whole saga, I am sorry for you. 
get your Kleenex because it is one of the most inspirational stories you will ever hear, not only of an athlete, but just as a person in general. There's lots of great literature out there. You can read about her story. I think Lindsay Gibbs just wrote a piece, but she's going to actually tell us about what it's been like to be Erica Wheeler. Uh, Big all-star highlight. And we're going to get to some other all-star highlights in just a moment. We're getting ready to kick to the first quarter. But um, thank you all for uh, tuning in and buckle up. First quarter. So we are in our first quarter and we are going to recap all-star. So, yeah, LaChina was the only one fortunate enough to actually be there to see these events live and in person. But we're going to start off at one of the events she covered, which is our three-point contest. So shout out to Shakenya Strickland. Um, of course, I'm geeked because that's a son. And she took the crown over Kayla McBride, 23 to 22. Now, the other participants in this contest were Allie Quigley, uh, Chelsea Gray, Kia Nurse, Erica Wheeler. Um, and obviously, you know, McBride was a fan favorite playing in front of her hometown. But yeah. Shakina came through. Um, she did get a chance to talk to our Holly Rowe after her victory. Shakina, you weren't a, you weren't an all star, but they brought you out just to show your magic. How have you developed that three point shot later in your career? Oh man, it's been amazing. Uh, I give a lot of credit to my teammates. Oh my guys, Alyssa, JJ, Jasmine, Courtney. They look and find me, and they got so much confidence in me, and that makes me have a lot of confidence in myself. I know early on it was your brother Joshua who helped you learn how to shoot that ball. What do you say to Josh who's out there watching? Hey, bro, I thank you so much for all the times we've been outside shooting. Uh, I learned from the best. I know you're able to do this on this stage, but it's even more important what you've been able to do in games. Connecticut Sun up atop the standings, along with the Las Vegas Aces. How has your young team really gelled together to be making a run right now? Um, I think just growth. Um, I mean, we went in a slump, lost five games straight, uh, but we've grown together. We've been together for some years, and, you know, we just continue to be aggressive and uh, picking up on our defense and... Uh, that's how we win the games. All right. The sun is rising in the WNBA thanks to this superstar, Shakina Strickland. Congratulations on being the Mountain Dew three-point shooting champion. Thank you. All right, LaChina, let's start with you. You got to see that stroke live and in person. So what were your thoughts on, on her performance and, you know, how that translates over to what she's able to do in real time during the games? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. She's a specialist, right? Like... It's it's kind of rare, and not to say that there aren't other ways that she contributes to the game, but I just think it's really rare these days to have someone who is, like, just a shooter. Like, even Allie Quigley, who was the back-to-back champ and was going for the three-peat, like, she, to me, is more of a, a scorer. You know, I, I, and Dev, you watch Chicago a bit, so I, I don't know what you would think. And not that she's not a great shooter. I mean, that's part of it. But I do think we get to see more of her other attributes on display when she's playing than maybe Shakina because there's so many pieces around Shakina and Quigley's like really their number one option. Um, you know, her and Diamond DeShields are right up there. Shakina is like a floor. She stretches the floor. I mean, and it's important for Connecticut because they like to function right around the, the paint. But one thing she said to me that stood out, I actually talked to her the other night at Connecticut, was that she felt like an all-star. Like, she just talked about the treatment and how everyone was treating her like she was an all-star, even though she was just there for the three-point competition. So I think that made her feel good. You know, you feel good, you shoot well. 
Um, but her stroke was just on, and there was a lot of pressure on Kayla McBride. I don't know if that played a part in it at the end of the day, but she's now come up twice as the runner-up. Sorry for the Irish people that are on this episode. Um, but she, I, I thought she would be able to pull it out because of the crowd. And, and, and Allie didn't get a good start, you know, not making any excuses at all because, I mean, you shoot it how you shoot it. But she just really didn't get a good a good start. But um, it was a fun competition, you know what I mean? The one thing I would say is there were rumors that Liz Cambage tried to get the WNBA to allow her to be a part of three-point competition. And I guess they called her to be a part of skills. And she said, no, I want to be in a three-point competition. And they said, no. Why not? Like, can we get some more bigs in this thing? Like, NECA shooting a three well? Like, what is going on with that? Um, so yeah. And, and the last thing I will say is that I, I know there were a lot of people who were, who were talking about the field cause it was weak. Like other than those kind of top shooters, like the field did not perform well and you could say, okay, you know, maybe they were nerds, whatever, but there were a lot of people that could have been in the competition. I know Cheryl Reeve was talking about how Lexi Brown should have been in it. I've been crying about Christy Tolliver should have been in it. Um, so I do think that it's worth a look into how that field is coming together. Cause it's not just the numbers. Like I know the WNBA sent all that out with the lease, the release, but it's not just the numbers. Like, right, Dev, you know, shooters when you know, shoot, you know who the shooters are and that doesn't mean they're having yeah. a great shooting season, but you know who they are. Yeah. Um, I have to agree. I mean, I was a little salty. K Mac lost, not going to lie. <laughs> it's a little, a little bit, but um, and especially for the second year, I feel like if she's in it next year, it's a wrap because mm-hmm. knowing how K-Mac is, she's a super competitor, and I already know she's feeling some type of way about losing in that twice. But, um, yeah, I would like to know how they go about um, the selection because I was, I was a little um, confused about Christy, too, not being in that. But, um, I mean, Shakina well, she's a straight shooter. We know what she does. She's been doing that. And so um, she just came out and got it done. And Kayla is not even really, I don't know, Dev, maybe I was tripping, but I felt like when she was at Notre Dame, she was more of a mid-range. Like, that's not even really her yeah. shot, right? No, she's definitely pure jump shooter, and I think she's grown and gotten more of her three, but she's, that's for sure, pure mid-range. Yeah, which speaks volumes to her development. I mean, shoot. So me and Dev will pick the teams next year if y'all need us to, Tariq, okay? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Problem so, solved. Problem solved. Like, th- there we go. <laughs> New captives. Um, <laughs> so keeping in uh, a skills set competition, let's move over to the skills competition in which um, our girl, as we just had her on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, Diamond DeShields, uh, beat out Jonko Jones to win the skills competition and it did come with a little controversy because I know some people were questioning about whether or not it was a layup and all this other stuff. But um, she was in the competition alongside Brittany Griner, Courtney Vandersloot, Nafisa Collier, Odyssey Sims, um, Sam Wilkin, and Elizabeth Williams. And Jonquil built a big lead in that last, uh, like that last competition. Now, I, I didn't think that Diamond was going to pull it out, but... Shots came up. She hit it on the first try and she came up victorious. And so after the competition, we had Diamond with Holly Rowe. 
Diamond, the most important part I thought of this competition is there was a point you could have given up. There was some, some trouble on the passing in that last round. How did you make it happen? Well, JJ tried to throw me off. She took my side. Um, <laughs> but you know what? For the first time, you know, I was out here playing to win for somebody else. And I think that's kind of what kept me going. I really wanted to get this money uh, to go to this charity. Uh, shout out to everybody here, my teammates. I did love that your teammates are up in the stands. They've got special t-shirts. They are supporting you. And you showed out. Your layup at the other end, you showed some beautiful athleticism. We'll move in the air. How are you showing off a little bit? You know, I just, I try to do what I do best. And that's kind of... I think it's entertain people. I think people like to see me jump high and stuff. So I just try to come out here and do that. All right. So your teammates are not done yet, though. You've got Ellie Quigley. She is the favorite in the three-point competition. What advice do you give her that you did your part? Now, what does she have to do? Do what I taught you. Do what I taught you. All right. All right, everybody. Let's give it up for Shine Bright Like a Diamond and Shield. Hollywood's wrong for that, but we're going to move on. What I love most about that <laughs> interview is that she is just so, like, her personality shined through so much in that interview that if you didn't laugh that entire time, I'll, I don't really think you pay attention to Diamond the Shield. She's something else. <laughs> well, I was glad that she got some shine, though. You know, I think this kind of goes back to what you were talking about um, in our previous episode when we were mentioning on, you know, how many people would have made the All-Star game and how it was her and Courtney and Allie. And I think it just kind of shows like so much versatility that they had that Chicago has to see Diamond kind of come out and show that kind of skill set um, just further. I, I, I think it just furthers the point that you were making of how deep they are um, at the guard position in Chicago. Yeah, I'm wondering, I mean, Deb, what do you think about Chicago? Because you've probably seen them more. I mean, I like I like the way that they're playing right now. Um, I think that, honestly, they were they were a shocker for me. I mean, I thought they were, they're still kind of young. So to me, I thought they were still at a point where they needed some more to even do what they're doing right now. But I think as a team, they've just really, like, gelled together and all figured out where their roles are. Um and like you said, like Quigley and Diamond um, and Sloop really just been like taking the horns and like leading the team and everybody else has been falling in line. And I think that um, right now, like just as a collective, they're all just doing what they're supposed to do. And that's why they've been able to like figure it out and play so well or have those stretches where they're playing really well. Um, and why, what are they sixth right now? Um I honestly didn't think that they would be there, but I, I think they have a, I think that they like at this point, if they get like one more piece, they could be like really, really good and be more consistent, you know? Um, but I still think they need a little bit more of a veteran presence. They're still a little young, Yeah. but I like them. I like the way they're playing. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how he continues to develop Gabby Williams. You know, she's playing the backup point. And then I've always loved Jameera Faulkner. I don't know if she'll hit full speed this year, but I loved the way she was playing, you know, towards, you know, towards her injury, but she did suffer a devastating injury. So, you know, that speed is what really made her like explosiveness is what made her special, what made her different from Courtney because she brings an athleticism to that spot. And then, you know, how will Katie Lou Samuelson heal? You know, could she be an asset? Like sometimes I feel like, I mean, Diamond's still learning and figuring out her way. 
and she's going to do some wild stuff sometimes. And you got to have at least three players kind of anchoring you. And I feel like Jantel Lavender is often overlooked as that player. But do do Jantel and Stephanie Dolson have enough defensively? That's going to be the question because that's what happened the other night against Connecticut is that their post game just defensively couldn't match Connecticut's. But, I mean, they have a, a, a great presence in John Quell and Alyssa Thomas. So, I really don't like Gabby as the backup point. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> I don't. I think she should be on the wing. Like, I feel like, especially, like, transition to open court, she's great flashing. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, like, with the ball. But I just don't see it at the point. I don't. I don't know. I feel like they slow down too much. I, it's not that's a hard position to come into, especially as a, when you've been playing a big as a big. Yeah. Um, it was I think a she's so much better. <laughs> I, I think she's so much more efficient at the wing. I don't I don't really get it, but just to provide a little clarity, the controversy was they weren't sure if she had completed the passing component before moving on to her layup. And what made oh, it interesting was okay. that even coach Cheryl Reeve uh, tweeted who needs to pass anyway with like the little shrug emoji mm. so I thought after a certain point that you don't you don't you don't know? have to make it I thought yeah, after, you're three, yeah three I thought after a certain amount then you can just move so on if you didn't make it yeah that's what the controversy was gotcha with all of that being said, just to add an extra note that I think made this year's uh, All-Star Game different than what had been in the past is that this is the first time since 2006 that they had both the skills competition and the three-point competition in the same night because previously they'd usually had the three-point competition during halftime of the game. So this is the first time no in over 10 years. Exactly. It didn't make much sense. So, China, I'm going to go to you on this before moving on to the very next part. Um, what was the atmosphere as far as having the fan fest and having the competitions the night before, like I, I, you know, you obviously don't want to compare it to like the NBA's All Star Saturday Night, but do you see the WNBA moving to that structure where it's best to kind of have all of the additional events completely separate of the game instead of trying to like mix things up in between? For sure. I mean, then we got Tiana, which nobody told me the girl's name was Tiana Taylor. I thought it was T. It is? It is, right. Yeah. Like, Everybody, listen, Wait a minute. A, <laughs> yeah, girl. We had a long conversation pre-game, and everybody in the room was saying, it's Tayana. I was like, I've never heard it said like that. I thought it was Tiana. Ever. But that's fine. Anyway, if you have all the competitions at halftime, you can't have great halftime acts. And I didn't see her performance, and I'm I'm not necessarily a huge fan of her music. I don't really know any of her music. But people enjoyed it. Like, they were there for it. And... Not only that, but I just feel like Friday night got everybody hyped. Like, you know, Friday fans could be like, oh, okay, there's something going on. So it gave you some build up to go into for Saturday instead of Saturday just being a standalone event. Uh, so, yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun. I thought it, I thought I think they should definitely continue doing that. Now, we also got an opportunity to get an up close and personal look at the new WNBA commissioner, Kathy Engelbert. And I know that we have previously spoke on what our expectations were for her. But we did get a chance to hear directly from her, of course, with the wonderful Holly Rowe. Brian, she is the first ever commissioner of the WNBA. She's been on the job about 10 days. Kathy Engelbert, welcome first and foremost. So happy to have you. In that 10-day span, you've already been to three different teams and franchises. What is some of the 
feedback you're hearing from around the league about this job that you've overtaken? Well, first of all, it's great to be here, great to be in this environment at the All-Star Game. And really what I've been hearing is we have a passionate fan base, but we need a broader fan base. We've got great players. The level of play, as you see today, is amazing. These are amazingly diverse, socially conscious, community-minded players, and we're so pleased to be in this role. You talk about the fan base. I think what we're seeing here today with MGM and, and what they have presented with the Las Vegas Aces, what do you say about this all-star environment? Yeah, just the feel, the vibe, the coolness factor of being here in Las Vegas. And thank you to MGM and our title sponsor, AT&T. It's been a great experience. But really, we need to drive this league to a higher level. Everybody's in it. Everybody's supportive of it. Fan experience, player experience, and everything else will work out. You talk so much about passion. You played basketball in college for Muffet McGraw at Lehigh, how will your passion translate into your performance as your as your new job? Well, it's really nice because we all have the same goals here, to grow women's basketball, to grow the exposure for this league year-round, um, and having played the game at the college level for Muffet at Lehigh University is really, I'm just so proud to be representing the sport now. I never thought after many years in business I'd be coming back to the sport I love, but it's been a really nice part of the story. All right, thank you so much. Thank you, Holly. Holly touched on something that I think is important that she took the time out to kind of visit the, the, the players and the different teams and kind of get what, you know, people are saying in their feedback, which is something that I believe you mentioned previously, LaChina, um, before really taking a stance on what it is to do or not to do and how to move forward. So just based off, I don't know if you had an opportunity to have any engagement with her or talk to her at all, but just listening to what she was saying to Holly, like, are you feeling her, her approach? Um, to how to handle her new role. How do you think that, how do you feel about the approach that she's taking? Well, I just, first of all, I was laughing because I'm listening to an interview and she's definitely played for Muffin McGraw. Like she is straight to the point. <laughs> she has zero extra words for you. She's going to say, get to the gist of exactly what she has to say. And she's not going to pretend to know stuff that she doesn't know. And so, I mean, did I learn a lot in that interview? No, because I feel like she's still learning. And she just strikes me as the kind of person that's not going to say a lot of things until she's got a handle on, on what it is she she wants to get done. And I know she's still going through the research part of it. So I know the players, uh, you know, got a chance to meet with her and, and the WNBA released a joint statement with the Players Association that the two sides met. NECA told us post game that, you know, she, she, it was great to meet Kathy and spend some time around her. But I think people like that she gets down to business. And that's really my biggest takeaway. Yeah, I said this when we, they first announced it. I'm just waiting to see what happens. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, as you, like LaChina said, you know, she was straight to the point. I mean, those were pretty much just talking points. These were all the same points that, that were made for years now that we have been making for years. Um, so at this point, it's just a matter of waiting to see what she does with it and where she wants to take us and what her plan is. Uh, I feel like we can't do much more to say. It's not much more to say about it until she does something. Well, all right. Well, with that, uh, we will wrap up our conversation on the pre-main event events and head into our second quarter. Second quarter, inside the huddle. You go from undrafted in this league, all that you've overcome to even be standing in this moment. How have you persevered? Just never give up, man. Just never give up. No, no matter what nobody tell you, just keep moving. And I use my mom as my motivation. I lost her when I was in college to cancer, so I just keep moving because I know she's watching me more than ever. So this one right here for you, mom. 
today on a stage of the best basketball players in the world. How does this performance let you know that you belong on this stage with the best? I mean, I belong, man. No, I don't need to explain that. I belong. And, you know, credit to these ladies. You know, all weekend they've been just telling me that I belong, you know, and showing the respect. So credit to y'all, man. Thank y'all. Every category, how will you take this moment and propel yourself for an even greater second half of the season? I mean, just bring the energy back to Indiana Fever, you know, just share this, this moment with my team and my family and just keep it moving. You know, there's going to be obstacles along the way and I just got to keep pushing. Erica told us her goal for today was to be unforgettable and I think we can all agree that was an unforgettable performance. Thank you guys. That interview you just heard was post-WNBA All-Star Game, our Holly Rowe, along with our next guest, who touched so many hearts with that interview, with her performance in the All-Star Game. What she have, Tariqa, 22 points? 25 points, 25. four boards, and seven assists. But Erica was more than the numbers. Mm-hmm. She inspired all of us. I got a chance to talk to her pregame and she had on a necklace of her friend Duke Johnson bought her a piece for this necklace and it was a big blingy uh gold diamond and it had a picture of her mom on it. It was a congratulatory uh piece that had her mom on one side and the other side said, Look, mom, I'm an all star. Her mom Melissa Cooper passed away from cancer seven years ago and Erica is still dedicating her life and her career and her journey to her mom and quite a journey. It has been from overseas to getting cut from the WNBA to basically everyone doubting her, no one really believing in her, but we'll let her tell the story herself. Please join me in welcoming Rutgers own Indiana fevers own Miami's own Erica Wheeler. Thank you for having me. Erica. <laughs> How you doing? What up? I'm, I'm doing good, man. You know, life is good. I can't complain. You still sound like you sniffling. You still crying. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm still I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I, I definitely did just read it right up um, on me. And I was just like, wow, that's very detailed. You know, a little sniffle came there, but I'm, I'm getting better. I know, that's right. My water bag is getting empty, man. <laughs> well, you're allowed to to be emotional, and you're allowed to relive and, and feel however you want to the moments, not only of your MVP of the All-Star moment, but of your entire life. And, you know, we wanted to have you on this show because it just, it, it's amazing. It's It really is your journey, and I think we've all been inspired by it. But let me first say congrats on that game-winning layup last night, too. So you just carrying over from All-Star MVP to winning games. I mean, it's your time to shine, ain't it? I'm telling you, man, but the expression is high. You know, I'm going to rise up to any challenge. You know I'm not going to back down, so I'm going to take you how I take it. And, you know, God is good, man. He, he's something else. And he's been answering a lot of things, and we needed that win. We needed that momentum, so just happy about that. And then the Fever beat the Atlanta Dream last night. So let's mm-hmm. just talk about um, – let's go back because, first of all, I'm a huge C. Vivian Stringer fan, okay? Like, that yeah. is my – that is my person. You know, like, everybody got the, <laughs> somebody in the game that 
has really inspired them and pushed them. Like Coach Stringer mm-hmm. has, as she has so many people, uh, you know, just made us want to do better, want to be better, want to want to help and grow the game. Take us back to high school, Erica, um, and even just you know being in Miami. Are you in Miami strict? Are you in Broward County? Like what you? What, what, Come on the now, situation? you know what I'm <laughs> Miami Day 305. I was going to say, if she say that. Miramar, I got questions. Look, <laughs> nah, ain't no Miramar here. 305, baby. <laughs> we just had to check. We had to check. But, uh, yeah, take us back to, to Erica and, you know, those days and what landed you at Rutgers. I mean, everybody knows that I was committed to Miami my freshman year of, like, high school. Um, when I didn't really play AAU basketball for nobody, I just was playing in Florida. I never really been out of Florida, so... Nobody really knew who I was but Miami. And, um, you know, I met Coach Kim, um, who was um, Coach Essence Basketball, and that's how I kind of got on the surface of playing with April Sice, Tiffany Hayes, Chelsea Lee, you know, just playing with those guys and being on April's team. And she's the number two player in the country at the time behind Della Don. So everybody was, you know, came out to see her at the time. So that gave me exposure. And, um, you know, Vivian just, you just loved my passion for the game and just loved my heart. You know, because that's what she's from. That's what that's her foundation. is passion and heart. I'm always working hard. But the delegate, I'm gonna just skip over. But the delegate thing about it is that you know I, I took my visits, but Vivian came on the home visit, especially for me. And we, it was nothing about basketball. It was about um, Melissa. Your daughter's gonna get a degree. She's gonna know etiquette. She's gonna know how to talk. She's gonna be able to take care of herself once she leaves college. It was never anything about basketball when she sat in my living room eating collard greens that my mom made her. It was never about basketball at all. And she said, I- I'm going to turn her to a young lady. She's going to be well equipped for the world when when she graduated. And, you know, my mom let me make all my decisions. And she said, I'm not going, you know, give no opinion about anything, but I'm going to say one thing about this lady. She moved me in a different way that, you know, everybody else did. So we kind of went with that wave. And when I went on the visit, Chelsea and uh, April Sites was already there, so I already felt like I was at home because they made me feel as comfortable as possible. And But it wasn't just only them. Like, everybody on down to the staff, it just felt like a family environment. So that's what I'm from. I lived in the house with uh, 13 people, three bedrooms, one bath. So you can imagine the, the sharing we did and the, the closeness we had. So when I first felt that family environment, that what wheeled me in and they got me, <laughs> you know, Vivian got me. I was at her house and I committed on the spot and I told like, this is where I want to be. And it was, that was it from at that point. I'm like, I'm coming to Rutgers. Wow. And I, I'm just listening. And I, one thing I got to go back to, cause I can't just can't believe that you and April and Hayes was all on the same mm-hmm. team. Y'all were giving Kim all kinds of bids, weren't you? Well, you know we were. No, we listen, did. We had to give her. I was talking to who? I, I talked to Kalena Green actually a couple nights ago. She said she played for Kim. I said, well, Kim must have just said, "Give me all of the wild children, and I will." <laughs> you know, that'll be my team. No, I, I love Kim, and she, you know, but, gets a lot of credit for a lot of players she's bought up. What you gonna say? Yeah, yeah. She she can handle a lot. She's a little person, but she she know how to get us in line because. We had a lot of personalities that came together on that court, and I don't know how she did it, but that little lady is something else, man. She know how to bring it together. Now, you said something about, you know, how you grew up, just humble beginnings, you know, just, what did you say, 12 people to a three-bedroom? 13, 13 people, three-bedroom, one bath. Wow. 
So you know about humble beginnings. And when you left Rutgers, it was almost like starting over. Where mm-hmm. You've had a journey that included overseas, and I know Dev can speak to this as well, and just how WNBA players build their stock overseas. And at this point, you were not quite a WNBA player, but how you grow not only your skills, but also like how you get on the, on the radar of WNBA teams. Like Overseas played a big part in what you were able to do. Tell us about that. Um, I will say Erica DeSosa had a lot to do with me, you know, getting my mind back on the WNBA because I had one agent when I was in um Puerto Rico and I ended up, you know, stepping away from that and ended up signing with Fabio Jardine, who's currently my agent now. And when I signed with him, he had a job for me right away in Brazil. And at the time, you know, Erica DeSosa is from Brazil, so she's playing in Brazil. Tiffany Hayes was there, I think. T- um, T.Y. was there. I think Matia Ejivan was there. So it was WNBA players playing over there already. So, you know, if I'm I'm killing, I, I think I was averaging like 30 points each, each game just wow. just going at it. You know, just had a super chip on my shoulder. I was playing angry. I ain't going to lie. I was playing angry. I had a point to prove. Like, you know, I know I belong. So I think that really helped me. And uh, by me and Erica DeSouza having the same agent, and she's been a, a vet in the league, you know, her just giving that call to Coop to say, look, look at this kid. I think she can really help her, you know, give her a training camp. It was just all about word of mouth and who you know. I don't think any WNBA team knew who I was at the time as far as on their radar. I think it, um, Erica DeSosa, you know, mentioning me to Coop is what allowed me to get, you know, some looks at the WNBA. You know, once you get in the WNBA and you kind of play, other teams see you because they got a scout you. Mm-hmm. So I think that will kind of help me. And I will give credit to Erica DeSosa for making that call to Coop. So when you made that jump and you finally got invited to some camps and then you got cut, what kept you focused and able to, you know, like zone in and be like, all right, this is, this door is almost open. I just got to get open, go get over the top. Well, the crazy thing is what a lot of people don't know, like me getting, cause I made it like I, once I made the team, cause everybody was on that team, Sony Simmel, McCart, um, Angel, like everybody on that team. So for me to make the team, I'm like, yeah, I ain't going nowhere. I done, I done outworked the best. So I'm here. I, I'm here to stay. So when I got cut, it devastated me. Like it almost broke me to where I was just like, I'm, I'm done with it. But I had a moment, like maybe three days, where I'm just like, yo, I'm not touching the ball. I'm like, I'm done with it. And some just came over me like, yo, just keep working. You know, and nobody said anything to me besides like my best friend was like, something gonna come like. You've been through way too much, and we grind way too hard. We honest, you know, we stay to the grind. And opportunity came when Brittany Boyd hurt her wrist during the playoffs playing against Indiana Fever, ironically. And, you know, Bill called me. It was just like, you know, um, at the time, the video coordinator, which is Dan, who is the GM at Vegas, was the video coordinator for New York with Bill. And he knew me from Rutgers because he used to work at Rutgers Video um, Coordinator with um Vivian. So that little connection kinda got me to um New York. He ended up there ended up calling me and was like, um, you know, Brittany Boyd got hurt and we need a point guard. And at that point I'm just like, All right, God, you answering my prayers like at this point I need to stay. Like however I need whatever I need to do, I need to stay because this is it. Like he cut me, he broke me and I didn't fall and he's giving me another chance. So I need to do whatever it is to stay. So I ended up playing with, you know, New York. Didn't play as much because I came in the back end 
you know, pretty much the team is set. I don't really know many plays like that because I'm a point guard. Like, I got to know everything about everybody. So I didn't play as much, but when I did play against Indiana Fever, their, their first game, I had, like, 10 points in, like, two minutes. I was just like a bucket, bucket, because I didn't know any plays. I was just playing pickup. So then that opportunity came for me, and then I went overseas, and it just been going up from there. Third quarter, scouting report. So making your way to the Indiana Fever in the franchise that has mm-hmm. been carried by Tamika Ketchens, what was that like to you being able to, you know, be able to associate with her, to play alongside her? Because that veteran presence, I'm sure, you know, and I can imagine I about maybe three years ago, the first time I ever met Tamika in person. I'm never really a person that's starstruck, but I was stuck. Like, so I can't imagine what it would be like to be a player or a teammate at that. You know what I mean? To be in her presence. So talk a little bit about what that was like. I was playing in Brazil. Um, We won a championship at that time. And I think it was like May 1st. Played on May 1st. And my agent called me. was like, you need to be in training camp by the third you know, being a training camp, they're going to move on to someone else. So this is me playing the game, having to hop on the plane right away after the game, not really ate dinner, maybe like 30 minutes with my team and had to get on a, a night out to get back to America to be on time and at least rested to be in training camp. Like time was, was of, of the essence, really. And I'm like, dang, I don't even get to go home. So everything I had overseas came to Indiana. So uh, on that ride to the plane, I just, I just prayed – like I just prayed, was like, yo, E, like this is this is a moment. Be in the moment. Whatever you need to do, do it. Listen, work hard. Be a sponge. Like I even called Tamika like that that night. She didn't answer because she go to sleep early. But just getting <laughs> Indiana Fever, <laughs> just getting to Indiana Fever, and the first person that reached out to me was um Tamika Ketchens. Was like, you know, happy to have you. You know, do what you need to do. You know, to stay. You know, just just do what you did for them to get your attention you know for you to get for them to get the attention of you and i'm just like okay so you know her just talking every day that presence just talking just making sure you knowing what you're doing and not letting you slack or if you're doing something wrong she pulling you to the side like look i need i think you need to do this or i think you need to do that never yelling never you know making you feel like you know under pressure just helping you and credit to Breon January as well because who would I bring? I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bree was like, Bree was like the water, and I was the sponge. If, if I didn't get no water, I was I was gonna be dry. You know, mm-hmm. my first year, so she was definitely um, played a major part of that. But you know, Catches is amazing. She's still amazing, still to this day. You know, she's still the same person. I don't know anybody who works in the office bring their laptop in the gym just to watch practice. Mm. That's catch. That work ethic has not gone anywhere. I mean, still the same catch. So fast forward to the season you're having, which has been fantastic for um, Mm -hmm. the fever. And I love watching you. Like, you you roll up on your game arrival, and you've got your rare breed (laughs) shirt on, you know, one of 144, like reminding yourself every day with even the closure wearing, like this weekend wearing your undrafted T-shirt. And I didn't see the back of that T-shirt till recently, but it had – you know, all of your journey, you know, that you yep. got cut, um, you know, from Atlanta, that then you went to the Liberty, then Brazil, then the Fever, then Spain, and, you know, just all mm-hmm. the different places you've been and the journey you've been on. But it landed you in a space where you're an all-star, 
there's only been five undrafted All Stars, including uh, Becky Hammond, who's someone everyone should would know. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna just cut you off. It just sounds so good to be in the same sentence as Becky Hammond. Like, <laughs> that's that's way <laughs> anything like. Yo, you mentioned the Erica Willard with Becky Hammond. Come on now, that's that's a lot of respect right there. Hey, you in some good company there. You're right. You are some very good company, um, and deserving, deservingly so. And and I know one thing you've talked about is how you know all weekend people kept saying you 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 deserve to be here, and you've always presented yourself as though you know you deserve it because you know the work you've put into it. But uh, just what was the All Star experience like and you know, your performance in the game, like you just, you were like, listen, this is my, I mean, you were just, I couldn't believe it. Like, not that I didn't know you were capable of it, but it was clear that you were just playing at a high level in the all-star game. So what, what was this last, those last few days like for you in Vegas? I mean, it was elite. I told Bill, I said, man, this is, this is some elite stuff. Went down to the hotels, went down to the transportation, just everything, security, everything, how it was laid out. It was elite, you know, and then leading up to the game, it was just amazing. Like, to be around 12, you know, players in my locker room and go to other 12 and, you know, and Deladon locker room, we all, sh- like, share the same respect for each other. Like, I never once felt like I was undrafted. You would have asked you, if I didn't know my troop, I would have been like, I've been drafted because that's how much respect they were showing me. That's how much love they showed me. They never made me feel like I was less than anything, like nobody. Even though Bill told me I look like a practice player, but I told him I'm going to show you who a practice player is. <laughs> Everybody showed respect, and I was just like, for, it, for me, more than anything, like to get the respect from the people I compete with on a daily basis, you know, and speak highly of me like that, like that means a lot to me because we the reason why the game exists. So these elite players, you know, showing me that respect, that means a lot to me. And it just, it just, it fuels me, man. It just, it is. It's crazy motivation. Just, just leading up to the game, I think I spoke to you early on um, about the game a little bit about, mm-hmm. you know, having a chain on my mom. But even when I was shooting, I, I, I don't know if you watched me was shooting. I was super focused. I, I, you were. I, I almost didn't get to talk focused. to you. You were focused, <laughs> dialed in. <Listen. laughs> I was preparing like it was a game of Indiana Fever because at the end of the day, yeah, it's an all-star, but preparation is everything. Yeah, my main goal was to have fun. If I told you I was going to make MVP in that moment, LaTanya, you'd have been like, we, I would have looked at you crazy for trying to believe me. <laughs> hey, I would have been, hey, I would have believed you because I knew what you had been through coming up to that point, especially after we had, I looked at that chain. I just felt some kind of magic because I didn't talk to everybody pregame. But I was like, mm-hmm. I need to talk to Wheeler. I just felt like, I just felt something. Like, I would have believed yeah. you if you told me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wasn't like, I, that, that's not, that, when going into that game, I was not thinking that. My main goal was to have fun, be in the moment. I could have played two or 30 seconds. I still would have been happy to be in the game because it's an accomplishment that, you know, most people haven't even accomplished in the time being that they've been here. And people have been in the league eight, ten years and still haven't made an all-star. Here I come not being drafted from, you know, and not even being looked at, you know, and doing it in five years, like, come on. My main goal was to have fun. But, you know, like I tell people, man, God work in a way that you can't, and you can't stop it. Like, what's for you is for you. You know what I mean? And after that third three, I knew something special was going to happen. Like, the first <laughs> time I walked in, I'm like, okay, they just they just leaving me open. And I took the, the second one, I'm like, you know, as a basketball player, you, you take that third one and, they, and you see it go in, 
That heat check, you just like, oh, yeah. Y'all ain't getting this ball. Y'all ain't getting this ball in my hand. Y'all not getting it. So after that third one, I knew I was on to something, but I never, it never once crossed my mind that I can make MVP of the game. Like, that ain't crossed my mind until, like, he, he subbed me back in, and I was able to get in and hit the dagger, the three at the end. Then that's when I'm like, okay, oh, you might be getting MVP. And at that point, I, I'm nervous at that point. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you ain't nervous. I'm nervous. <laughs> so you surpassed 1,000 points. You made mm-hmm. All-Star. And then you got MVP. What is the next milestone you're shooting for? Listen, I I I done balled up every all my goals already. My goals that I just I just had this season, I done balled them up. Because nothing compares to like what I've been what I've been doing. Like I like only thing I have is team stuff for Indiana Fever. Like me personally, I don't I can't even think of a goal for myself to even have. So my goal right now is to we have twelve games left for the season. Play East game like it's our last. We got Minnesota coming up, so that's what we need to focus on. I think our team, you know, got some juice from last night. And I just, that's that's my main focus right now. I don't have a goal. Like, I can't even think about it. I'm still trying to wrap all this around my head. Like, it still ain't hitting me. <laughs> well, Erica, it has been like, I, everybody's cried. We've all cried once, if not twice. I mean, watching your post-game interview with Holly. And, and for fans listening to this, uh, we will play that interview in its entirety um, on on the podcast, Tarika made I don't know fourth quarter. We might even intro this with with that, but it, you have mm-hmm. to just take in that emotion. But you know, you you speak a lot about your mom and after her passing away from cancer, how tough the month of July is for you, but how much of a bright spot this All Star was in the midst of just you know what what can be a, a tough time, right? And understandably so for for someone out there who has either lost their best friend who was your mom or someone close to them or is facing some adversity or feels like nobody believes in them, but them, or, you know, is trying to make it growing up in the three bedroom house, you know, and, and barely enough to get by. What would you say to them about how they can keep going? Well, first I would like to say that I'm God answered my prayers because he knows that, I always want to help. I always want to inspire because I know what I come from. So I just thank God that this, this story is reaching the world in a way to inspire, you know, everybody, not just kids who are trying to chase a dream, any and everybody. You just never know what someone is going through. You know, I had a friend that I'm close to didn't even know she was going through anything, and she said watching that just inspired her about a situation I didn't even know. So for me, I'm just happy it's hitting people in a way that it's inspiring and motivated to keep going. And if I had to tell, you know, anyone that's going through something or lost someone or anything, you know, I would just allow them, just tell them, you know, to feel. Like, that's the main thing I did when I lost my mom, I, I felt. Like, when I needed to cry, I cried, you know, and, you know, lean on your family. Like, me and my sisters, you know, we lean on each other a lot. You know, so some days going to be gooder than most. And um, like like I like I tell people, I just lost my mom, you know, seven years ago, and it still feel real. Like the month of July feels like it happened yesterday. Not just that day; the whole month is just super super tough. So I just encourage people to you know lean on family, and you know that's what build character. Because at the end of the day, like the person you lose is watching you more than ever, and you don't want to sit around doing things that they wouldn't want you to do. 
So now you use them as your motivation. Now I know that he or she is watching me more than ever. So let me go out and do the things that I know they'll be proud of. Like for me, example, my mom loved when I played basketball. So I'm doing the things that I know my mom will be proud of. You know, so anybody in the world who ever listened to this, like you're going through something, you know, use that as fuel. Don't fold. Don't not do the things that you need to do because at the end of the day, you want to make them proud. And at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure they're in a better place. We may not understand that, but I'm sure they're in a better place. And just go out and keep attacking whatever it is because it's going to be bumps and bruises. It won't be easy. I still have some time, but people just don't know it. I, I, I wake up some days like, yo, like, it's hard. But when you get through those tough times, it makes the celebration even better. Like, that's why that celebration for me to get that trophy felt the way it felt. And I touched the people with the way I did because I know I've been grinding. I know I've been, you know, so many times I could have been like, no, I'm done. So many times I could have gave up. So many times I wanted to give up and I didn't. So to get that award in front of the world, that's why it felt like that. That's why I, didn't, I, I was speechless and I just spoke from my heart. So I just encourage everybody to you know, lean on family, feel it. Don't 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 hold it in. Don't be angry about it because if that's what it'll force you to do. And you know, just keep pushing because they ain't watching more than ever. Erica, I want you to know that I got a reputation to uphold because I'm a thug. And if you keep <laughs> making this ball in the back of my throat come the way you've been doing over these last couple of days, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. That is, I'm sorry. That is so it, it, so well said, Erica. And you have a lot of fans out here, deservingly so. Keep being rare, you know. Like there, there's there's only a small percentage of people who are in that elite group who are drafted or, you know, have a life that goes according to plan. 99% of us got to find a way. And just want to say thank you for finding a way because you're bringing a lot of people with you. And uh, good luck. We'll be watching you. Rare breed, Erica Wheeler. Nah, I'm telling you, man. Thank you all for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure. Latana, you know, you big in the game. And, you know, I, I support you guys. And, Dev, you know I'm feeling but <laughs> So I support you guys. <laughs> Thank you so much, Erica. We appreciate you. Good luck the rest of the way. All right. Thank you, guys. Fourth quarter. Out of bounds. All right, ladies. I know fourth quarter we usually try to stray away from basketball, but this time I actually want to use the fourth quarter just to get your thoughts on what you're expecting from the second half of the season. So, Dev, let's start with you. What are you looking forward to seeing? Who are you looking forward to separating themselves? What you got for the second half of the season? Well, you know I'm going to stick with my aces. So I'm looking forward to them really just buckling down for one and closing out the close games and also – not dropping the games that they're not supposed to lose. But yeah, like, they dropped one to L.A., they should have won. They dropped one to New York, they should have won. Cleaning up stuff like that so they can just take off to the next level, and I could just laugh at y'all while we continue to win. That's really what I'm looking forward to the most. You saw who got, I think Bill just got Coach of the Month. So you see what we're doing. I'm looking forward to continuing to gloat for the rest of the season. So yeah, well, I felt I felt that shade, Lachina. How about you? Please, really? You just gonna spend your whole time on the aces, just reinforcing the fact that they're in first place? We see what you're trying to do, anyway. (sighs) Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because after reading some inter some uh, articles about Liz Cambage over the last couple weeks and 
we know that she said she came back to the WNBA to prepare for the Olympics. <laughs> like she's basically said that in Australia, not meddling the last Olympics. There's pressure on her. There's that's going to be a big deal. So will Liz Cambage play in the WNBA next year? Who knows? She's also said that after the Olympics, she might want to do some other stuff. So this could be Liz's only year in Vegas. Uh, so if they are going to pull this off, Bill's talking about a three-year plan, they might need to do it now. So let me just add that to the pot for, for what's coming up for Deb's uh, Las Vegas Aces. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. Mike Tebow is a legend in the game. He's, you know, I mean, I don't really know a lot of people that speak I've never heard an ill word about Mike Tebow. Like everybody pretty much likes him or he's cool. He's a player, coach, whatever. And he's been building the women's game for a very long time. And I think he is in position to get his first championship, probably the best position he's ever been in. Like last year having to play in Seattle, having to play Seattle in the finals, that wasn't a great position because Brianna Stewart was the MVP and Elena Deladon got hurt and they had home court advantage. Uh, so will Mike Tebow win his first championship? You know, how will Candace Parker hold up in the second half? You know, I heard she's coming back tonight against Vegas. That game is on our air at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Uh, she's a big deal. And her presence on the floor on a shorthanded team are a huge deal. They are now without Raquana Williams because of that suspension. NECA's been playing better. So that's one of uh, the questions on the, on the top of my mind. Phoenix, you know, will we see Diana Taurasi? I mean, the release that they're sending out is saying that she is unavailable because of her back. I've also heard that possibly it's a hamstring. We don't know what the situation is with Diana Taurasi, but a back is very serious. And we send her our wishes and prayers. But will we see Diana this year? Not sure. Um, so that would not be a good thing for the Phoenix Mercury if that doesn't happen. And last but not least, I've become even more intrigued with the Connecticut Sun. They are gaining momentum. They are playing with a lot of confidence. They've gotten over the hump. They beat Phoenix. And they're a team that are out to prove people wrong. And just like Erica talked about how adversity kind of brings out the best in you, like Connecticut went through their stretch, their five-game losing streak, but they know that they're still not at the top of people's lists, and that's fueling them. Uh, they're young, they're explosive, they're athletic, and they're really believing in what they can do. They just put 100 points up on Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I want to see what Connecticut can do because if they end up in a series, uh, I mean, with, with that youth and that athleticism, like it's going to be interesting. So those are kind of the things that are top of mind uh, right now. But, yeah. We'll see. We shall see, ladies. Well, it has been um, a great show. We want to thank Erica Wheeler once again for joining us. Um, We know that her schedule is probably crazy now, especially after this past weekend. So thank her for her time. Thank you, ladies, for making time. Um, I know I'll probably never be in a studio with LaChina ever again recording a podcast for the rest of this year. So let me soak all of this up. Um, Dev, thank you for making time in your busy schedule because clearly, you know, you are on the move 24 eight 
days and we making up days <laughs> yeah today. can you please eat before you come on the show we don't need listen i'm dedicated <laughs> i am dedicated to fit y'all in man please. more important than food yes oh clearly okay <laughs> but, we, um, but we need you to be in with the right attitude not not angry woman not okay angry. <laughs> thank you um we actually have some exciting news coming up uh around the rim fans uh we have a special event that will be taking place this month as we are now in august so stay tuned because we're going to have more information on that that i'm pretty sure you won't want to miss especially if you're in the new england area so uh keep up with us lachina is at lachina robinson dev is at miss peters 14 did i say that right yeah. Yep. Yes. Okay. It's grown Peter. <laughs> I am at she knows sports underscore. We are together at Around the Rim Pod, and you can also send us an email at Around the Rim Podcast at gmail dot com. Um, we're out for today. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app. Bye. <laughs>